you can do cool shit on the bike and you can empty your tank and it has nothing to do with racing or professional cycling or anything anybody told you to do. Tube, a cycling podcast where amateur riding meets opinion on the pro peloton. <laughs> <laughs> you speak no word of lie. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to pick up the bat in there? Greg, carry on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just top yeah. tube, remember? Podcast. Yeah. I I stuttered, and that that turned into a bigger stutter. Welcome to Top Tube. No. Welcome to Top Tube, a cycling podcast where fuck. <laughs> We've got For God's 20 minutes sake, of gold. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just won't be able to cut any of this. It's all right, I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> Welcome to Top Tube, a cycling podcast where amateur riding meets opinion on the pro peloton. With me, as ever, this week is the Benny Hill to my box hill, David Quainton. Thank you very much. Hello. Uh, and the Les Dennis to my Rowan Dennis, Stephen Bowley. Steve. I wanted to be the Giro Rosa to his Fred West, yes, but I wasn't but, allowed to be. But we, but we rightly cut that for reasons of taste. It's can you do, a, taste, can really. you do a Mavis Wilton impression, which will mean nothing to our international listeners? A Mavis Wilton impression. Well, I don't really know. It's not, it's not bad. Yes. I mean, apologies to anyone. Probably is, I, I think apologies to anyone would be yes. more yeah. apt. Um, so, how are we, chaps? We're fresh from a, uh, a, a commute where, or in which two of us... Uh, we're we're on, on road bikes for, for, for normal people. And Steve, you chose the the natty combo of a, a city gent suit and tie with a, with a Boris bike. Uh, yes, well, not so much chose as was reduced to it. However, um, it was a novel experience because I have never ridden a Boris or indeed Santander bike before. Um, I was a bit... Uh, uh, what's the words? Um, Fast? <laughs> no, I was, I was a bit hesitant at first. Uh, I can sort of compare its handling dynamics as somewhere on the spectrum between a specialised LA, LA sporty bike and an iceberg. Um, <laughs> however, uh, once I picked it up, I realised I only had three gears, so that made that made uh, a bit difficult to overtake people. And, if, and I suspect that if you are going to overtake people on a commute home through one of London's central cycling arteries, uh, you need to commit to it. And unfortunately, me bent over the handlebars spinning at 180 um, uh, revolutions, revolutions a minute. Miles per hour. Uh, <laughs> was probably going to intimidate no one. Uh, so it just meant that anyone I passed got annoyed and passed me back. I mean, it turns like a frigate, which doesn't really help. It was really impressive to watch you with your legs spinning away like a hamster. Gunning um, it. Absolutely. Down, dressed as Bertie Wister <laughs> down the north. Yeah, I still managed to drop Graham several times. So. <laughs> um, but I don't really understand why you chose to keep your tie on and pulled all the way to the top just to reduce your ability to breathe to an absolute minimum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold choice. Never knowing me underdressed yeah, on a yeah. bike, are you? <laughs> Well, if you're going to make a, you know, an aesthetic choice, and you may as well go with it. Uh, talking of which, I was dressed, and this is, well, it's an endorsement of sorts. I was dressed head to toe in Rafa gear, and you're you're a real stickler for for what one wears when one is is, is on the bike. 
So just so Rafa jersey, dark blue, navy blue, black shorts, and navy blue and black with with a, a tasteful little bit of white in the socks with white shoes on a white bicycle. Flawless, in my humble opinion. What's wrong with that? What what isn't wrong with that? I mean, firstly. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much a navy top, and even look, was it a navy top? Was it an off black top? Either way, it doesn't go with black shorts. Um, Already angry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, plain black shorts don't work with anything. Black shorts with a touch of with a with a highlight, a la Yanorik Telecom team circa nineteen ninety nine, absolutely golden. Plain black with a plain black, uh, sorry, a plain top which is a slightly different shade it's just a huge clash and frankly a disaster and as for Rafa all over well I think we all know those in the know know what Rafa implies a sort of sort of a certain nouveau approach to, to cycling participation I like to call them riff Rafa if I may <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan from, for the sake of balance um as well I might be um David what was what was your perspective on our um uh, on, on the third well, I'd, I'd just like to pick game. up on the uh, the Yano Jan- could dress in whatever he likes, and, and you would think that he looked. I mean, he could dress like Freddie Mercury and get onto a bike, and you'd feel like the way he looks amazing, and then the absolute pinnacle of cycling fashion because Yano Rick is. You well, used to have a poster of You have more than one poster of him in your bedroom. It's funny you say that because I used to. After you've uh, ridden on this on. I was very much validated to learn that on our Instagram feed, um, when David at my recommendation posted a picture of. Jan Ulrich, I believe, in his world champions get up on a on a Pinarello, one of those Pinarello time trial bikes, first ridden by Migo Enjurain, with the smaller front wheel than the rear. It instantly garnered three times as many likes on our Instagram feed as any other picture. What's our What's our Instagram feed, David? At you can find us at Top Tube Podcast. You can always find us on Twitter by the same handle, um, and on Facebook. Um, so what else have we been doing this week apart from what have we been feeding our Instagram with? Um, I'll tell you what you and me did this afternoon. Go on. Very nice. We spoke to the former Cannondale cyclist and now pretty much the king of Strava, king of the mountains, um, Phil Guyman. Uh, I thought I was the king of Strava, king of the mountains. Well, you'd, you'd think so. But You've got to go some to beat our man Phil now. He is, uh, if you don't know his pro career, he had a kind of fleeting pro career really, for, uh, on and off for uh, two or three years. Um, finished up at the age of 31, 30, um, but since then embarked on what he describes as the worst retirement ever, but for everyone else I think is it is the most enjoyable. He's the fastest person up the hardest climb in the world, which is something we'll talk about later. What about the thing he's actually most famous for? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> he obviously hit headlines uh, last year because uh, he had a race with Fab- do, you, do you want to explain from the top why he end- how he ended up racing Fabian Cantonara? Well, I believe it's because, and I wholeheartedly support him here, he took on something of a personal crusade against perceived doping in the sport um, and ended up having a fairly public spat with Fabian Cantonara about Issues I can't precisely recall, and it became some some. Well, it's over whether or not Cancellara had. So the accusation was the broad accusation was that Cancellara had motor doped mm-hmm. to win, for example, San Remo. Yeah, and Guyman is uh, a, a was always a very vocal uh, 
and um, visual anti-doping anti kind of advocate in that he's he's got a famously got a bar of soap tattoo to demonstrate clean cycling and the fact that he is anyway. a clean cyclist. Um, so when he brought out his book, uh, this was obviously picked up. It garnered a lot of publicity for it, and he ended up having a race with Cancellara, which he won comfortably, actually. But Phil, has, has, he's currently the fastest man on, on what is uh, widely recognised as the world's hardest climb in Hawaii. And also what's widely recognised as the world's longest climb in Colombia, which he did last week. Anyway, we got uh, in touch with him and we had a uh, we had a really good chat with him earlier today, which we'll so play you later on in the podcast. Yeah, but, uh, but first, a little bit of news, chaps. So the biggest race of this week, indeed the biggest race of the year so far, the one that's the first one really to get all the big stars out, um, is the UAE Tour, formerly the Abu Dhabi Tour and the Dubai Tour, which have combined. Combined, haven't they? Um, obviously, for Team UAE, this is a um, pretty big race, and we'll come back to uh, their exploits on today's stage, which was uh, the first mountain finish in a minute. I have Something two to questions um, to go in this news section, yeah. uh, which I'm going to pose to anyone out there who wants to answer them more specifically. Is, is, is one of them, who am I? Because I forgot to introduce myself at the top of the... the, top, the top no, of I, the am, I am the hero. <laughs> so I, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. I'm Graham Wilgos, this still. Graham Wilgos, but, uh, yeah. What are your two questions, Steve? <laughs> firstly, firstly, if you combined the shoulders of Tony Martin and Stephen Croyswick, would you come up with a normal man's shoulders? One is particularly I mean, round niche. <laughs> One is very much coat hanger shape. It's, it's not. I'd say that that particular question is not the best for a podcasting format. Well, I may put it on our YouTube video. Yeah. And a seamless introduction to our YouTube videos, which can be found on YouTube. Just search for the top tube so I can. Yes, but don't get too excited. They're just a visual a version of the audio, but with some photos attached uh, relative to the content. You had two questions. And the second question is, is, is what is television? Um, <laughs> what is television? No, it is. It is. Um, Yumbo, uh, Yumbo Visma, Team Yumbo Visma. Are they Yumbo Yumbo Visma. The <laughs> second oldest um, team in professional cycling. I've been going now for 35 years. My question is, what is the oldest? Uh, it's got to be De Kerning, isn't it? Quick step. No, David. Uh, FDJ. No, well, that's absolutely appalling that you don't know that. Age <laughs> up. No. Oh, well, you're embarrassing yourselves now. Who <laughs> <laughs> is it? It's Come on, what is that? Movie oh, star. Originally, the Reynolds team, which became. I'd call them Movie Star. I mean, I know we're all watching the Oscars, Movie Star. In Oscars week. Movie Star, yes, indeed. Which Sorry, became Quintana was up the best actor under the auspices of Miguel Andre in the 90s. So, 40 years, 40 years old coming up. Breaking Away is a good film, isn't it? It is. Are we going to talk about um, the best cycling films? There aren't many. Because American there? Flyers with Kevin Costner and Kevin Costner's moustache. And uh, Sunday in Hell? Are they the only three? Is that a tour, tour de Pharmacy? <laughs> tour de Pharmacy. <laughs> this is, is what happens when you work out really, really hard. Not enough time has passed for us to conclusively say that okay. Tour de Pharmacy is great, but it's, you know, it's well on the way. Uh, anywho. Anyway. Today, what? we had the first uh, mountain stop finish in which we re of of the year in which we really saw all the big guns there a lot of them are deliberately undercooked so you know Tom Dumoulin was there he didn't threaten uh, Nibali was there he didn't threaten um, maybe does outside of a grand tour to be honest it was won in the end by a man who this is the latest he's had to wait since 2009 to win a stage um, the 426 year old Alejandro 
Valverde. Uh, the latest in the season. Latest in the season, mm. yeah. He's uh, since two th- since he came back from his doping ban, he's always won a race before now. Tell you who else didn't threaten. Um, another team Yumbo Visma rider, Nielsen Powerless, who's who's frequently lacking in potency, as his name suggests. <laughs> It's <laughs> enjoyable. It's something we can all enjoy. It's, it's something we can also all enjoy. I know several of them are undercooked, but isn't it great to look down the roster of riders and see that much star power in a that's in a great. single I mean, field? Rob, I mean, that's, it's the first race that I've been genuinely excited about, yeah. not because of the riding, but just because of the personnel. And it's a very shallow way to look at any race, but I mean, you, you you know you you want to watch the best riders. That's mm. why we all enjoy the Grand Tour yeah. as, as much as anything else. So uh, the the GC on that note is 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 pretty interesting. Uh, Roglic. Primoz Roglic is uh, is leading 14 seconds ahead of saying his name as many times as possible. Uh, uh, David Gaudu um, from FTJ, who is another young rider, 22 years David, old. Isn't it? David who? Gaudu. Gaudu, sure yeah. about that. Uh, how would you pronounce it, Mr. What do you want to remind everyone what Gorka Izagaya's brother is called, David? Because last week you said he was called Ion Izagaya. Ion. You find it's it. John. Oh, there we are. Um, anyway, David Gaudu, how would you pronounce David Gaudu's name? I'm, I'm content for you to embarrass yourself. No. Oh, come on, you've got to, stay, you've got to, stand, you've got to stand there and take it. Who else have we got in the top ten, Dave? Uh, Emmanuel Buchmann, uh, Wilco Kelderman, uh, Dan Martin. I think Dan Martin would have expected to do better today, wouldn't he? Would we say? But with it, you know... He came dancing, to me, he came dancing up to the finish like he had gone too late. Like he still had plenty he left in the time. Late, doesn't he? Yeah. I think I, th- I think he left it a little too late. Is there a worse person at timing a finish than Dan Martin? <laughs> Steve, is there a worse person at timing the finish than Dan Martin in the pro peloton? Well, I certainly remember a few times that Dan Martin, Liège, Baston Liège, a couple of years ago, for example, where he went far too early. Albeit, actually, one of the great unanswerable questions is when he went round the, the last corner and was about to start his sprint to the line with a gap of some 30 metres over the chasing pack, and his wheels came out from, from under him, would he have been able to make it? I think he would have, but we'll never know. We'll never know. And I think that's something that's going to haunt him in his, uh, his doting years. Who else we got that? Uh, Tom Dumoulin, obviously, even Big an Tom. undercooked. Big Tom is, is still within a minute of the leader. Uh, Victor Delaparte, and then a British rider in at nine. Can you tell me who it is? He finished on today's mountain stage eighth, and he is ninth on GC. Uh, he rides with one of the bigger teams. It's one of the Yates brothers, clearly. So no, it's not one of the Yates brothers. It's uh, it's gonna is, is it Team Sky's Team Sky's new boy? It's not. It's James. Oh, I know this. It's James Knox. Knox. It's Knox. It's yeah. <coughs> Foxy Knoxy. It's no one yet calls him. Well, we will continue to call him. Foxy Knoxy. Foxy Knoxy. Sure. As he will now be known. Ahead of David Formula. Who is James Knox, seriously? James Knox rides for De Koenig. He is 23 years old. And last season, he had a few races where he. He was pretty much there to destroy brakes and sat on the front for a very long time uh, and, and was very impressive to uh, a lot of uh, casual and serious commentators. Um, and he's very highly thought of. I think. Well, actually, David, it's funny you mentioned that because um, there's been a number of performances by some seriously impressive uh, younger talents, not just the likes of Ivanapol, but 
um, a couple of other standouts this week. I think you're referring to the Volta Algarve. Can you tell me how many of the top 10 in the GC of the Volta Algarve are under the age of 25? Have a guess. Six. Nailed it first time. All right. Can you oh, tell that's, me who that's, my, that's the level we expect <laughs> on our top two. What does um, he win? It was won uh, by uh, Tadej Pogacar, who I think that's how you pronounce his name. Let's let's not oh, examine too hard. Set up my bar for pronunciation. <laughs> uh, Get on with it. Of uh, UAE it's twenty years old and um, beating the likes of Wout Hors, beating Enric Mass, a very young rider himself, uh, Zednik Stybar. Again, I mean, it's only in the season, so as you've said many times, Stephen. Um, a lot of riders will be undercooked, but still, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? 20 years old. Steve on, yeah. 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 Um, Nielsen Paulus also finishing in the top 10. Um, Demonstrating the kind of... that he is, in fact, not powerless. Indeed. Wow. Um, he's kind of, him and Seth Chris are the great hopes of American cycling at the moment, aren't they, really? Well, I think we all understand that there aren't any great hopes in American cycling. Really. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah. Let's put that lot to bed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the the other major race I guess to take note of was the uh, Volta a Andalusia, uh, which was won by Jakob Fulsang. Um, uh, Adam Yates, top ten. Uh, Tim Wellens took a couple of stages early doors. Uh, everyone likes Tim Wellens. He's a bit no, like you're not allowed to say early doors in a cycling podcast. No, he's just said it. Yeah. Well, you're allowed to, everyone gets one boot. <laughs> Tell him, David. <laughs> no, we're not doing it again. Everyone gets one. Yeah, everyone gets one. <laughs> um, uh, Tim Wellens. I, I kind of package him along with uh, Rigoberto Uran, Uran in that he's uh, he's one of the cyclists that everyone likes, isn't he? Tim Wellens is great to watch. Yes, the correct name is Rigoberto Uran. Uran yeah. is Uran actual, Uran, yeah. real for me. So good, they named him twice. <laughs> um, what was the question? Tim Wellens. We love Tim Wellens, don't we? Does anyone not like Tim yes, Wellens? Yes, in a, in a platonic, um, you know, in the very best form of, of platonic love. Yeah. yeah. Tim Wellens will win things, but Tim Wellens characterised his early career by taking a lot of punts, if I may say, um, from reasonably far out and, and often, you know, as I like to call it, doing a nibbly, uh, where he would, you know, take an outrageous and un- unseemly... Um, yo-yo off the front of the pack and dangle there for some time before being brought um, discreetly back. No more said about it. Obviously, Nibali occasionally gives the lie to this by you know, flukily winning some Milan San Remo's or the old Grand Tour, but you know, I think it's the exception to the rule. <laughs> Um, and finally, in our roundup of the news, uh, talking about young cyclists, we were Clara Koppenberg won the uh, Setmana Ciclista Valenciana um, ahead of Soraya Paladin and um, Graham's very good friend Ashley Mormon in third. Mormon Passier, yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... Well, we'll, um, we'll hear from, from Ash on the, on the pod uh, in a few weeks' time, hopefully. That's the news. Um, we'll see you in part two, unless I'm being looked at, like... Maybe well, we I was, I was going line. to, I was going to mention Victor Campinats having a, a crack at the, uh, officially announcing that he's going to have a crack at the uh, the hour record. That sounds like news. Yeah. I mean, if we mention that, maybe we should also say get also into Ben Swift. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Quite the bang. He's, yeah. Uh, he's ruptured a... spleen. Rode into a rock, which yeah. apparently is, is not a good idea. Didn't lose consciousness. Thing. Yeah. So I've read the, the the account from his doctor, which was yeah. the team Sky doctor, which was uh, that, that was a good sign. 
So anyway, he's on the mend. Get well soon, Swifty. Um, Victor Campinats is going to have a crack at the hour record. Wigo's hour record, yeah. uh, but in Mexico City. As is John Archibald, who recently set um, a flat earth uh, record. <laughs> Sorry, I, do, I think I do mean a uh, sea level world record. For, flat earth, uh, just denied the, the well, deep states involved just, in everything. I've just outed John Archibald <laughs> just, as a flat earther, but he also uh, set a sea level world record, uh, beating Chris Boardman's uh, British record for the 4,000 metres pursuit. Uh, and the second fastest time ever, just behind one set at altitude. So, Victor Campinats, yep. just to sum him up briefly, Lotto Sudal mm-hmm. rider. Uh, he finished third at in, in, uh, at, at last year's Road World Championships in, uh, in the time trial behind Rowan Dennis and Big Tom. Yep. He has been um, training in Namibia um, in order to get the altitude, the required yep. altitude training in. Um, Mexico City, uh, very, very similar environment um, in terms of altitude. So he's going to have a crack at that um, in April. Um, it's famously thin air, isn't it? I mean, all, all the many, many sprinting and long jump world records are done here in Mexico City, famously. And... Well, I'm going to propose, in fact... Congratulations, mate. That's amazing news. Why don't you tell us? You heard no, it here first. Are you do it on the podcast? No, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to propose to Graham, um, one of marriage, but in fact a sock bet that John Archibald will best... Oh, I like this. Whether or not one of them beats but, the current world record held by Wiggins, but I believe that John Archibald will certainly be get the best closer. time yeah. this year because I believe that he, in beating that 4,000 metre time, is phenomenally talented, and we'll hear a lot more about him, um, especially when he leaves the boards, as it were, and inevitably goes pro at some point. When he leaves Barbados. Indeed. Which yeah. is... About the, the, the how do we pronounce it? The hub... Capital of the flats. The uh, hub... <laughs> what bike testing? Trade team, trade track cycling team. It's an unusual setup. Uh, well, a very exciting bunch. Yeah. Anyway, I think that will conclude the news. And we'll see you in part. We won't. We will speak to you. And you will hear from us. I think you can say see. Yeah, that's fine. See. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be it's, back uh, in part Give them some credit. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two, in which we are going to be discussing... Not what is the most you've suffered on a bike uh, at our last episode, but what is the hardest climb? And hardest is going to be defined by the most you have suffered. Gentlemen, I'm so, going to start with Graham. In, in honour, we should say, of our, of our guest this week, Phil Grant. Yeah, Of course, yeah. yes, in honour. Um, hands down for me, the Mortarolo in the Italian Alps. Um, I mean, there's the, the picture... That we can put up on on, on Insta again. The picture you know, that redefined the phrase "thousand yards." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that David took of me about three kilometres up, I think. Probably not even. Ah, oh, no, maybe a little bit. So, the Mortarolo is twelve point eight kilometres in length. Um, your total elevation gain is one thousand three hundred fifteen. The height at the finish, height at the start, is five hundred thirty-seven metres. Height at the finish, one thousand eight hundred fifty-two. They are your uh, they are your stats. Average gradient is eleven percent, but I it feels like a wall the entire when, way up. When you first hit it, you you're like, well, okay, this is, must just be a, a steep bit at the start, and because you're winding through that village at the bottom, 
and then it kind of opens out onto the side of the hill. Um, and we both rode it in, right in the middle of summer. We did it in serious heat. But I can just remember thinking, Gosh, wow, it's hard. It can't possibly be this difficult all the way, and it just is. Yeah. Um, but there are like so went into it knowing fine well that there were certain um, landmarks that you 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 know the important we know the importance yeah. of landmarks when we're climbing difficult climbs yeah. right um, because they let you know that you've got a certain way in, and yeah. you can tick that off and that's like a mental box to check and um, and it makes you feel like you're making progress so there's the the same Mateo you feel like a big man it can make you feel yeah. like at least you know well so for example uh, you're on, getting somewhere on, on so no, so to, to take a, another you know famous climb on long two you've got you make it to the forested section, you have that, that turn, then you're working your way through that and it's a nightmare until there is one hairpin that you can go around the outside of and it's relatively flat and it feels better. You exit the forest and you get to Chalet, Chalet Reynard. And that's another yeah. bit. And then you've got the moonscape and the final kind of 500 metres, which is really steep. But don't stop at Chalet Reynard because I did that once <laughs> and I was crushing it. And then 10 minutes later... I started again, and some. My, it was like I had a leg transplant, and I was suddenly an 85-year-old woman. And you've got the Simpson Memorial anyway. The point is, those staging posts are really important to, to kind of knock off on the way through. Obviously, on outdoors, it's easier because you've got the countdown of hairpins. Um, you don't have that on the Motorola. Yes. And, and you'll always feel great as long as you don't get passed by an 85-year-old man who's... <laughs> <laughs> unfeasibly fit and, and it just doesn't make any sense physically how it can be that fast and it makes you feel like an amoeba in comparison <laughs> that always happens to me part of the difficulty of the Motorola yeah. is that it's quite isolated and because of its difficulty mm. not many people give it a crack no. so you're out on your own most of the time so you and me did it together yeah. David, and you went off and I think you finished about five or six minutes ahead of me yeah uh and you, you, you're just sort of on this lonely plough of, of misery and you're just eating a brick wall most of the time. So there were, there, were, there were two landmarks that I knew that I was supposed to look for. So there's the San Mateo Church on four yeah. kilometres, yeah. which I don't remember Absolutely at all. Absolutely no recollection. Um, and the Marco Pantani monument. Yeah. Having, which having I, Pantani I kind having of finished. saw and then I just, I couldn't stop for. I mean, I might as well have because I was going so slow anyway. But I was so focused on the horribly slow cadence I was doing I should say at this point that this is the hardest climb I've done as well yeah. so there might be there might be a different right. one from me and, and rightly so I don't remember the Pantani monument at all either <laughs> on the way up or the way down it was, the whole experience was I mean truly excellent to have done and a lovely one to have ticked off <laughs> ticked off hey Steve um but oh, so I've heard uh, <laughs> um and so the other thing I remember is those last, it sort of flattens out. There's a, it, it gets, it does get easier yeah, after six, eight, nine k. Uh, what was worse, then, going up or coming down? Probably, well, for David, coming down, he's got two flat tires. Well, no, it's still, it's still worse going out. I, it was, it was so warm that I exploded the front tire. I had um, clinches on and uh, exploded the front tire twice under braking, which was, you know, a shame and frankly annoying. And yeah, it didn't make us any cooler. The last four kilometers. Mm. Uh, supposedly a little bit easier but I can just remember those final four hairpins and yep. being able to see and hear you at the top mm. and you, by which point you had recovered enough to give me some encouragement yeah. and in not the not the patronising encouragement <laughs> that you do sometimes don't like, but the genuine blimey that was hard yeah. you know you, you're nearly there mate kind of thing did he do the whistling? no he only tends to do that when he wants you to know that he's take, he's he's finding whatever you're doing a lot easier than you are and so he whistles behind you do you accept that you do that? Not consciously, but I accept that it happens, yes. 
Do you believe it's that? The, the, well, I, I accept that it might not be a conscious thing, but that's exactly what he's trying to tell you is, do you know what? I'm finding this so easy, especially when you're trying to, you're putting a bit of a dig in and Dave is there and you're, and you're I do, the thing is on my own, I do sing up a climb. Or whistle. I do, like, when I, when I did, what do you sing? Uh, outdoors, I t- whatever's going through my head at the time, on the way into work today, I was um, singing, uh, Gang of you, the Gang of Youths, are an Australian band, are very popular at the moment, I was singing a load of their stuff. Up, a popular beat combo. Up outdoors, uh, when I did, when we went up for the second time, uh, in a day, in two days, and we went up the second time, I was singing Lightning Seeds. I was pretty much singing the whole, of Riley. No, pretty much the whole of Like You Do, The Best of the Lightning Seeds. I went through all of it. Obviously, I didn't do You yeah. Show Me because it's terrible. The though. internal jukebox. Yeah. Yes. Um, Steve, your hardest climb. Do, 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 Let's move do, this on. Do, 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 Higher? Do, harder? Stop being such a football do, do, fan, dude. Um, my hardest climb is... Well, obviously, hard climbs can be uh, erroneous hard as the condition you take in them into them so and i guess the speed you attack with that as well i mean you can well, make them harder i have i have actually imposed a moratorium on swearing on this podcast but i'm gonna i'm gonna make an exception to that obviously i think for me the hardest climb just depends on how much you happen to feel that you're fucked when you're doing it uh on that basis that can be a 300 meter uh you know molehill in the in the home counties or it can be one of the highest road passes in Europe. And actually, on that note, I would, I, after some thought, and you know, I've done a lot of climbs, and I've suffered on a lot of climbs, and, and uh, ultimately, it's always because I've just ridden really hard and my legs have gone. But definitely, I would say the most protracted, and I think it's about duration of suffering here, was the Stelvio a couple of years ago, where we all suffered immensely. I felt, I didn't, I went out there with not brilliant form but just just good enough where I thought I'll take a, I'll have a go at it or kit I had great kit didn't you forget your gloves you did you were wearing woolly gloves <laughs> oh yeah oh, <laughs> I've still got them I still have gloves I bought them woolly gloves on the top um and then descended with them until I realized that they were useless because obviously it was cold and wet and my hands were just slipping off the hoods but do you want to do you want to give a little uh kind of place what what the length of scale well is? obviously yes it's it's a long climb if you're not prepared for it um an average gradient of, well, I don't want to say only 7.4%, but what makes it hard is the length of 243 and the ultimate altitude at the top of 2,758 metres. And that includes then 1,808 metres of ascent, which is, by comparison, Alpduez is probably under, a, what is it, under 1,000 metres of natural ascent from the foot. About 1,000 metres. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have great form, but just enough to think, oh, I'll have a go. So I left I left these two at the bottom and just set a, te- a, a high tempo. And I thought after halfway, I was still going. I was overtaking people and I felt good. And I was quite surprised and I was really enjoying it. And then just that cause, I ultimately paid for that by, by the last five kilometres. Did it Did it get steeper in the last five or did it just stop? Famously, you lost your mind. Though. Right, yeah. So t- that gradual fatigue in legs that weren't really very well conditioned at that point um, caught up with me. And by the last five kilometres, I just exploded. And it got to the stage where I was moving so slowly, everyone was really, uh, who I encountered, that... I was still so motivated to do a decent time that I thought, I reckon it's, it would actually be quicker now 
if I got off and walked, uh, I think I could probably go a bit faster. So I took my, I got off quickly and took my shot my socks off because I didn't want, I couldn't walk in my shoes and I didn't want to walk in my socks and ruin them. So I took my shoes and my socks off <laughs> and and started to run up. It's quite a smooth road uh, and did a few hundred meters and thought, well, that's this is hard work. Uh, and I ground, you know, finally got up there and then I had a wait of well over an hour for David to come up with a can, an empty can of Red Bull tucked in his back pocket and then and then obviously Graham Does, doesn't give you wings well the hardest part then was just waiting around standing around at the top for over an hour getting really cold as well yes. um should we hear from from Thor so then? so let, let's let's talk a little bit about him first um uh just a, a quick recap uh, phil byman was uh, a very very good uh, pro continental rider who rode world tour slipped back from that and then went back into uh, World Tour, rode uh, Paris-Roubaix, rode a lot of big American races, but really only lasted um, a couple of years uh, at World Tour level, retired around the age of 30. Since then, he's gone and shown incredible prowess, uh, or, or to demonstrate his incredible prowess on climbs, including uh, completing the most difficult climb in the world, which is uh, Mauna Kea. Um, why, why, David, is it considered one of the most difficult? So it's 6.1% gradient, which sounds um, fine. It is, however, 68.6 kilometres long. Uh, it starts... It I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. <laughs> it starts in the sea. So, it, right? so, so the, it finishes at 4,192 metres up. It starts at zero metres. It's just ridiculous. And the tradition is? And the tradition is um, that you start with your back wheel in the sea and you make it all the way to the top. For listeners in the UK, the best way to describe it is um, it's like 30 box hills back to back on a normal road. To start with. To start with. You then go on to a, a Mont Ventoux and that Mont Ventoux is, uh, starts at altitude and uh, is a kind of dusty, loose gravel road, which everyone, including... Our uh, our guest we're about to speak to walks up at some point, um, even though he has the quickest time. And then you come back onto a uh, final, I think, two kilometres of road at the top, which has 20% bits at 4,000 metres in the sky after you've been riding for nearly five hours, if you're the world's best there. And before we come to Phil, another interesting fact, nothing to do with cycling, but it's also the highest mountain in the world if measured from its base to its peak, That's but true. much of it is underwater. Well, it's not the highest, it's the tallest. It is the tallest mountain in the world. So, without further gilding the lily, his, <laughs> uh, his American blogger, YouTube star, world boss of, uh, of the Earth's most difficult climbs. Consumer of cookies. And consumer of cookies, and all-round good bloke as well. Lovely, lovely man. Yeah, here he is. On Mauna Kea, that was that was a weird a weird incident and like a very special day for me. The uh, so it was 2016. I had kind of just announced my retirement from pro cycling, which was part against my will and part not. You know, it's kind of like when you when, you know when you when you find when you've been nauseous and you finally vomit, like it feels good, but yeah, you yeah. still vomit. That was me retiring from pro cycling. No doubt. Um, and uh, so, so then at that point, the, 2016, I was still under contract until December 31st, you know? Yeah. Um, so my, my last ride where I was technically a pro cyclist, it was New Year's Eve 
on Mauna Kea. I just happened to be there for the holidays. Um, and I'd met randomly, I'd met Kevin Sistrom, the founder of Instagram, uh, who, who also rides bikes. So I'd done a couple of rides with him in LA and then he happened to be in Kona the same time I was for, for the holiday. And it was his idea to do this volcano. Like he'd been bucket listing this. Um, and then I was like, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm playing around on Strava now, so I should try and get that. Um, so it ended up being like a weird, so you start at the beach and then you go, did you, start with your back, did you start with your back wheel in the ocean? Because that's the key, isn't it? Isn't yeah, that's like, the rule. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you can do it. You can approach it from Hilo or from Kona. Yeah. And then you basically go up the same highway from either side. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Kona because Kevin was staying there. And, and I, I think there was construction on Hilo at that time. Yeah. Uh, just like on the road. So that sort of worked out. But uh, no, I didn't do anything with as far as the, the timing. No, it was just when when kevin wanted to do it and then we had a guide uh big island bike tours alex candelario is a former pro friend of mine um we were never teammates but we were always you know on different on the same teams different years yeah so you feel like we had we had the same life um so he does like tours there now where he'll kind of support people up that crazy thing um, which i would say is kind of critical if you're trying to do it yeah um because there's not there's not a lot in the way of of gas stations there's at the there's a visitor center when you turn on a Mauna Kea yeah but um but there's not much else so, so, so uh, kind of timing wise that turning's about yeah. halfway isn't it or distance wise and then it just um, you get on timing the wise road. yes distance wise no I think it's yeah. like three-fourths of the distance but half the time because that's yeah. where it gets nuts <laughs> Um, so how, how, was the, how was the uh, how was the loose road section? I mean, did you? I, I it was no, but everyone seems to walk on that section. <laughs> yeah, point. it was bad. It was. It's funny. Like I when um when I when I was talking to to Candelaria about doing it, he was like, okay, you're gonna want to fly out there with with two bikes because you're yeah. gonna need a special bike. Uh, like you want a mountain bike for the dirt sections. What he told me, and I was like, yeah, that's cute, Cando. I'm world tour. I don't need that. <laughs> um, and then fast forward to like three hours in i'm shouldering my bike with mountain bike pedals running really? out of thing <laughs> i i was like i had 28 cassette i i don't know these days you, i i have i have a sram makes a 32 cassette if you get yeah. like the wi-fi thing now um yeah. which i like i feel like i could get up it but you do it's it's sandy yeah um so it's part of its gearing because it's super steep but it's also you do want some fat tires so i would i would i, I feel like the ideal setup would be cross bike with granny gears to throw on for that yeah yeah um and switch out and then switch back on again for the final bit which is just steep at ridiculous altitude i mean how how um, the altitude is obviously unique did you find did it affect you physically yeah yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to know like you just there's pacing that effort is is pretty much impossible um like I just sort of know I know what threshold feels like and I would just stay right below it but I was also like that day I wasn't I wasn't really going for a pure effort like I was moving all day, but I was also like, it was very emotional. It was my last day as a pro and yeah. I was with Kevin. So I was like Instagram living it. Um, and then I was eating pizza out of the follow car, you know, like it was, yeah. it was sort of, it was kind of like a going away party more than, than a, a record attempt. You still have to, I mean, just completing that climb you can't do it and not be near the edge though right i mean it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah once i once i hit the dirt i was i was definitely just doing everything i could like i was running at thirteen thousand feet with uh or whatever that is four thousand forty five hundred meters with my bike on my shoulder 
Um, I, I definitely I wanted to empty my tank in in a lot of ways that day. But uh, yeah, the altitude like once you get up there, I've I've done a lot of stupid hard training rides. I've done a lot of like outrageous races, and yeah. I've never until that day was I like mid effort and just had to stop. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. So I got through the dirt and then I started. I got to the pavement again. And I was like I started riding. And uh, it's, I think it's only like 15 minutes from the end of the dirt to the, I feel like it's not that far to the top, but the last stretch of pavement I think isn't it's a couple that of substantial. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I, but it's 20% or like that. <laughs> right. Like I, I started riding that thinking like, okay, that, you know, we're, we're, we're getting there and we're, we're almost five hours in. And then I just stopped and sat on a guardrail in the snow and ate a bar, yeah. <laughs> which like I've never had to stop in my entire life mid-workout. And then I was just like by myself, <laughs> middle of nowhere. I um, want to find the, the one person, I don't know how long it would have taken, that's managed to do that climb without stopping. Do you know what I mean? I mean, everybody has shouldered the bike at some point. Everyone stopped. When yeah. It and it's just yeah. incredible. Well, it's also like, just because it's so long, I also stopped at the visitor center to use the bathroom. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Would you, uh, would you do it again? I absolutely want to do it again. One, because that was before I was like now, like from stuff like that, I realized like, oh, there's more to emptying. Like that was that was such a cool day for me. Partly be, it was it was also like the chapter or the, the beginning of this chapter. I didn't know existed at the time yeah. of of you can do cool shit on the bike and you can empty your tank and it has nothing to do with racing or professional cycling or anything anybody told you to do. Yeah. Um, so that's that was sort of special. Like that that's that's a ride that I think about all the time, and mm. um and one that that since then like now I my full time like I I have bike sponsors and I and I make a YouTube show where I kill yeah, myself yeah. on climbs, um and I didn't so I didn't have a camera when I did that, and uh and so I need to go back and and sort of document it and show the world. And if I had the bike, if I'd listened to Kando and had a and had a bike change at the dirt part, I feel like I could have gone a good fifteen minutes faster. <laughs> I mean, I think on, on the route you did on Strava, there's 47 people that have completed it. I, right. I'm, I'm interested to know how many tried. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's not um, a it's not a ride that a lot. It's I, I, I had like pretty I had normal conditions. There wasn't anything. There were nothing wrong with the conditions. I wouldn't like it wasn't a blistering tailwind, but it also wasn't it didn't get epic at any point. Any point. Like at the top, there was snow on the side of the road, but it was it was clean. It was fine. Was it? Hawaii apparently can experience 11 of the 13 climates sort of known on Earth. How many did you did you go through on the way up? Was it like your own film montage? Where they, where to they me, yeah. Passing? <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> me, it's, it's, it's so bizarre because you start at the beach on a tropical day where there's people, you know, with with pina coladas on the, you know, in, in the water. And then and then five hours later, there's a wall of snow on either side of you. <laughs> it's it's everything. It's uh it's so there there was no like precipitation, but uh yeah, I think that's all the climate zones that I've that I know. Did the headwind get savage at all? Uh no, there I didn't have any wind that day. Yeah. Um no, at, at the top we had uh because because of Kevin we had uh, we had Dom Perignon chilled in the snow. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Pina yeah. coladas at the bottom and Dom Perignon at the top. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not a bad day. Um, so, so, so you've done Manukir. You, you've just completed uh, Letras. I mean, how mm -hmm. was that? Letras was cool too. Um, yeah, Letras was well. So, so for perspective, Manukir uh, is took me five hours. Letras mm -hmm. took uh, like three twenty something. Right. So, so different climb. 
there, there, there's not a bit of downhill on Mauna Kea, um, and Letras had a few downhills. I, I would say Mauna Kea is like a notch more challenging, yeah. um, and especially given the dirt part. I, I think if I, Columbia says that Letras is the longest climb in the world, I have to disagree based on that. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's the longest paved climb. I don't know. And that's your job, though, right now, is to find those. Uh, yeah, basically, I just, I just want to like, for some reason, I still, I, I love it. Like, I just, I see a hill and I'm like, oh, I have to see how fast I can get up that. Um, so just doing, doing, doing crazy shit like Letras and and Mauna Kea, like that, that speaks to my soul. Do you, do you find now, now that you're, you're hunt, you're almost, you know, the, the Strava hunter for those, those climbs? Are you suffering as much on the climbs as you did when you were a pro, or world tour pro? Or I mean, what's how, how's it comparing? <laughs> I mean, at the at the end, I'm just as dead as I ever was. I don't have to train like I used to. I probably like volume wise, I think I ride like two thirds as much as I used to. It's significantly less because uh, doing other things takes a lot of time. Um, but I also don't have to go. I don't have to go hard more than twice a week anymore. So it used to be like I would train five days a week really hard, and now it's like I'll do one long ride and one group ride and one kind of intense day. So it's, it's a notch down, but I'm able to, but the, since I have to perform less often, I, my, my one day power and effort to be honest is like pretty comparable to what it was. It's just the next day I can't. <laughs> and before well, you're, only, you're, only, you're only what, 33 still. So you're still, you know, if you can yeah, I can with, still you know, improve Valverde, in some stuff. Uh, yeah, but that's right. Yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be world champion again and uh, yeah, come out of retirement and be world champion four years time. Yeah, I'm I am I'm hill climb world champion. So uh, that's that's the uh, same thing. <laughs> um, so when, when when you're climbing, you because uh, even when I'm doing you know outdoors in a dreadfully slow time, I I can't complete it without having data in front of me. I, I just can't do things on feeling because I bust myself. Mm. How, how, which side? And then I've read stuff with you know contador saying you know he prefers to do it on feeding or whatever where do you where do you fall on that how what are you a day I, feeding guy i think it takes i think it takes some years to sort of know to, to be able to do feeling right um and then there's a point where like you trust your feeling more than you trust the numbers once you really know how to do it so like i like i said i know i can feel when my legs are at threshold and i can and i can i can stay there or i can stay half a notch back no problem as long as I need to, but that's kind of experience. That's, that's just doing it forever. And if you don't really have that, the, for when it comes to altitude, it's, it's pretty impossible to know what your threshold is. Yeah. So I would, I would think about feeling and look at heart rate a lot more than power. Cause like once yeah. you're over a certain meters, your, your power is laughable anyway. And, <laughs> uh, and trying to stick to anything will, will not work out. Um, so yeah, th these days I'm more feeling if it's a very short effort and I really know like, you know, if, if it's, if it's less than 10 minutes, I know what my power needs to be. Um, I can, I, I can kind of look at that to make sure I don't overpace it. But for the most part, yeah, I think that's, you know what, that's something I agree with Contador on. Who knew? Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's the we first one. We won't, we won't go into that one on this call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got a, I don't know if how much time you or if any you've ever spent in the UK. We have we have a climb called Box Hill over here, which was used in yeah, Canada. yeah, which is two point two k at five point two percent. You know, um, I think the record for it's four minutes. What do you reckon you could do that one in? Um, I I looked at it before. I was trying to get there last year. 
I really like the the whole UK hill climb series. The, the thing is, the events don't suit me. They're, they're too short. Like I can yeah. that that box hill. I feel like I could be okay, but a lot of them are like super short. The stuff you guys do, yeah. um, and I'm mostly like like 15 minutes is where I'm really good. Right. Um, yeah. So you they're they're all on the short side. <laughs> exactly. But I, I love the scene you guys have there, and it'd be fun to get. The problem is like your hill climb season is right when I have my my fondo in Malibu. Yeah. Um, so some someday I'll I'll manage a way to do that before I get old and fat. But uh, Box Hill, I I looked at that. I was trying to do that last year, and um, it I I thought I had a shot at that KOM. Like it seemed like a a power that that I could do. Uh, but I not nothing I would smash or or guarantee myself a a, a take on. It's too it's too short to smash by a lot anyway, isn't it? I mean, you're right. And it's like, just it's a high level thing. Like anything that that you know. 15,000 people have attempted as hard as they can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not a guarantee. And there's a lot of world tour and, and pros and races on there too. It's, it's one of the most, I think it's one of the most popular segments for a climb in the world. Yeah, um, I believe it's like top five. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was why I was, I was trying, there was a point where I was trying to just go for the top 10 Strava right. segments on earth. Um, and I realized a lot of them are too far. <laughs> you've got, you've got Hawk Hill I noticed, which is the one that if you turn on Strava Segment Explorer, is, is yeah. the first one that it shows you. So that's you know, uh, yeah, and old Honda I think is right there as well. Uh, yeah. which, they're the same. Which is I think part of that is just because like that's where Strava is and yeah. that's where it started. So it's sort of those a couple of those hills have uh, have a five year head start uh, just because that's where Strava was was existing at the time. Phil, we'll start a crowdfunding campaign for you so you can do the whatever it takes. Yeah, I, I listen. I would really love to find a way to get to do the UK thing, and uh, but I, I can't afford to like a lot of the reason my stuff is US based is because I have airline miles, <laughs> and and I can afford to bring my camera guy around, and uh, international stuff is is really tricky to fund. But I'll, I I that is that is on my list. We do promise um, you good cookies if uh, if you do make uh, listen, yeah, all, all I the cookies you can lying. eat. <laughs> I, I know you're lying. You guys don't do cookies over there. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Phil, what are you working on? What are you working on next? What's coming up after Columbia? After you've done the uh, um, yeah, the, I mean the once once I post that, it's uh, my my videos this year. I'm looking at at Phoenix, New York, and then uh, and then the van trip is going to be um, some of the tour of California stuff, and then. Uh, like Atlanta, Greenville, Chattanooga, Nashville. There's like a lot of cool climbs in the southeast, which is funny. It's where I'm from, but I haven't. It's where I'm from, but I haven't been able to get there to do a lot of videos because mm. um, I live in LA now. So it's 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 sort of a pain in the ass to fly there to do one. So I'm just gonna drive there and do all of them in the summer. Nice. Um, so a lot of the, the southeast stuff. There's some beautiful climbs like in the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Appalachians um, that I've I've been wanting to smash for a long time. So I'm gonna go see what I can do there. So everywhere I go, I'll like set up a little event, like ride with the locals, eat their cookies. Um, and, and like with, if I can, I'm like, since I'm, I'm going to be in a van, I'm going to try and sleep on the climb. I'm going to try to like live the climb before I attempt the climb. Right. I think that'll be good for the soul of it. Um, how do we, how do we describe you? American blogger, like it says on Google, former cyclist, um, America's foremost cycling sage, as, as you might say. Uh, uh, that one's long winded. Yeah. I, my, the title I've given myself is unprofessional cyclist. Yeah. Um, so um, that's that's what I'm going for. Uh, not not mudslinging piece of shit. No, I try not to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I try not to do that. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Is I'm there anything tired from that for sure? Anything you'd like us to push? 
Uh, no, I mean, check out, I, I think the YouTube show is the main thing I'm working on. I've got some books. If, if you guys want to, want to read the, the mudslinging that it isn't at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Draft animals is the most recent one. Pro cycling on $10 a day has been around a little longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. If people check out my social, I have, I have lots of fun content. I'm around on the internet. Um, and, uh, if you're, if you're interested in, in climbing, I'm sorry, I'm the guy, nothing you can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, when you when you're traveling around later on in the year, don't do what I did. I went to Biarritz and then drove all the way to the Obisk to the foot of it to climb it. I was feeling a bit ill anyway, and I looked in the back of the car and I hadn't got my cycling shoes with me. So oh no, and that's a nightmare. Three hours. Everybody does that once. Everybody yeah, does that yeah. once. A, a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. Love, yeah, love that, that you're giving Phil some advice. Yeah, I borrowed. I borrowed a um, Redlands Classic 2015. I was like the favorite to win it. And, and I drove to the time trial, which was like a two hour drive. And then realized I forgot my shoes. Um, I bar- this, is, this is in draft animals, but I borrowed shoes from a spectator and changed the cleats 15 minutes before the start and actually had a really good time trial. Um, <laughs> so so it can be done. But literally, it was a stranger's CDs who. Uh, <laughs> so that's amazing. We, we've uh, we've really enjoyed your how shit you are at retiring, um, and, <laughs> uh, and we'll continue we'll continue to watch you with interest. Um, yes, we hope awesome. you continue to to retire, stay retired. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely not doing the other way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Stay in touch. Right. So that's Phil, Phil Guyman, um, and and big thanks again to Phil for joining us and, and taking the time. Um, David, say uh, we want to say a thank you to one or two other people. Yeah, I think I think we'd just like to say thank you for everyone that's been in contact so far. Everyone that's listened, we've been really overwhelmed, I think, by the response uh, and the number of ears that have uh, so been winning. Many, so many great emails, <laughs> so many great people. And um, you know, we've we've had friends lots of, of the show, friends of the show. We've had lots of good comments on our Instagram page. Um, uh, we've had a few people contact us uh, through various guises, and um, you know, we're we're really committed to making this um, the best we can the best show we can about the joy of amateur cycling um, with a little bit of information on the pros as well. Yeah. That's it. Well, it's where the pro peloton hopefully meets, or the, the other way around, amateur riding meets the pro peloton. In many ways, Phil Guyman is, is absolutely the perfect example of the, the sort of thing we're trying to do, I guess. Well then, all this to say is, uh, we'll, we'll thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. So long, farewell, until next time and all that. Salut. Thank you.